Welcome to Dropping In, a podcast of storytelling and interviews with your host, Winter Olympian Mercedes Nickel. Thank you so much. Can you believe it? We're dropping in on episode 20. Again, this is a series where I chat with a diverse group of Whistler kids who grew up in our small mountain town. We have actors, Olympians, business leaders, DJs. A lot of talent has come out of Whistler. Today I chat with two Whistler Secondary School teachers who have seen their fair share of Whistler kids grow up. Let me introduce episode 20's guests that we'll be dropping in with. He's an outdoor enthusiast, retired high school teacher. You'll find him patrolling, building, hiking, and biking the Whistler Trails. He's still teaching safety in the backcountry. Now she taught me how to paint. She's an accomplished artist in painting and pottery. She lived in London before she moved to Whistler, where she is currently teaching at Whistler Secondary, where she started teaching year one when it opened, 25 years ago. I'm so happy to introduce my two high school teachers that helped me and so many others graduate from Whistler Secondary School. Welcome, Mr. Mitch Sulkers and Miss Brenda Norrie. Okay, and I don't know um, if you have listened to the podcast, Mitch, but I start. I actually have. Oh, you have? Some of them. Okay, okay, okay. So you... Definitely said you got to listen to these. Wasn't it great hearing so many of our former grads? I just loved hearing their stories. Oh, it's wonderful. Oh, wicked. I'm so stoked. Okay, I'm very excited to have you guys on. Just like every other podcast, I start with a 10-question rapid fire, and it will be no different even though I have two of you. So how about we flip-flop? We'll start with Brenda goes answers first, and then Mitch answers the second question first. Does that make sense? Okay. Bring it Number on. one, what year did you move to Whistler? Is that me first? I yeah. moved here in 1996. I moved here in July and started teaching at the school in September. Wild. Mitch? 1974. 74? You have been here yeah, a long time. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I was out of uh, high school and uh, looking for a place that was a lot like uh, the home I knew and loved. And uh, I had to get away from where I was living to actually get that home that I new and loved. There was so much change going on. It was in the lower mainland. Okay. I didn't know that. Okay. I guess we never really get to ask our teachers any questions. (laughs) (laughs) No, because teachers aren't really people until you graduate and become adults yourself. And then you realize, oh, they're actually people that I like. (laughs) It's very true. Okay. Number two, what's one thing you've learned the hard way, Mitch? (laughs) To take it easy. Oh, that's a good answer. I have a habit of going, uh, yeah, I have a habit of going a little bit strong on some things. Okay. And Brenda? Mine's very similar. It's learning how to say no with grace mm. because um, I'm, I am a people pleaser. So saying no is, is something that I've really struggled with. But as I've allowed myself to say no more often, I'm so much happier. That's so true. I feel the same. Okay, good answers. Those oh, is so exciting. Um, number three, book or Netflix, Brenda? Uh, book, <laughs> because I'm also the teacher librarian in addition to being a senior art teacher. Right, right, right. <laughs> and Mitch? 
<laughs> well, it, it used to be booked. There's no question about it. But it, I, I have to say that uh, my better half is also uh, pretty good at checking out what's going on in Netflix. And there's a whole bunch of stuff that's international, and we kind of get a kick out of that. So uh, we we have a we have a time of day when we're on Netflix. More on Netflix than book right now. What What's the latest Netflix that you've watched? If well, you care to share. Well, no, no, we can share that one for sure. So right now we're doing Killing Eve with Sandra mm-hmm. Oh. And that's, uh, we, we kind of like those dark ones. So we just finished off Marcello, which is really dark. Yeah. Okay. But uh, we like the European ones. There's not too many episodes to a season, but the dramatic, they're really good. Nice. And Brenda, I, I would like to know what is the last book that you read? Uh, the last book I finished or the one I'm currently reading? Either or, or both. Uh, I'm reading Untamed by Glennon Doyle, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. And I'm also reading White Fragility, which is really good. But mm-hmm. over the summer, I read a ton of books. And my favorite, like sort of escape fiction, yeah. was City of Girls by Elizabeth Gilbert. I really enjoyed it. You are a librarian. I, I was saying on another podcast that I never remember the books that I read. I remember like one book that I've read that I loved called One Great Year. And I think I need to reread it so I know what it is. <laughs> okay, number four, lake or mountains? Mitch. <laughs> Give me a lake in the mountains. That's, the way I <laughs> That's a good answer. <laughs> uh, especially if it's a nice sunny day, you know, it's nice to pop into the lake and cool off a little bit. That's true. Brenda? Uh, 100%. I, I love the mountains. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. lake. And a lake. lake in the mountains is nice, but they're a little cold. Um, and I'm from Manitoba, so I go home almost every summer to eastern Manitoba where there are the most amazing lakes in the world, like uh, West Hawk Lake, Falcon Lake, Lake of the Woods, so that part of Canada. And it's so amazing that, you know. Are they warm lakes? Yeah. Unlike our lakes. It's kind of Lucille Lake, whereas that's like quite a cold lake. <laughs> They're all cold. <laughs> okay, number five, favorite class to teach, Brenda? Art. Art. <sighs> uh, Mitch, when you were a teacher, did you have a favorite class to teach? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I'd, I'd say it was the outdoor rec leadership, uh, having that opportunity to be with the students for uh, such a long period of time. That makes they got sense. a chance to see the development. But they're also like both of your passions. <laughs> True. Imagine that. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> the perfect okay. job. Yeah, exactly. You're getting paid to do it. I love it. Number six, what would be your life motto, Mitch? I think, yeah, it's a, a motto. That's a few words. And you're not, I'm not a few words kind of guy, right? But I, I definitely think uh, make, sure that, make sure that you're doing things that you want to do one way or the other find a find a way to make something your own i like that brenda um it's uh it's about being in the moment for what you're doing i remember um as a young adult um well i was an adult but a younger adult being in kenya and uh, they have an expression the lion king sort of adopted hakuna mutata which means um don't worry about the rest of the world. Just concentrate on what you're doing right now and live in the moment. That made me think of the Lion King. Yeah. And a similar concept in Russia when I was there was Kaif, 
and that what when you come upon a moment that's memorable and special you have to mark it by saying hype and both of those philosophies are the same it's about don't worry about the past don't worry about the future this moment is the most important thing in your life right now so revel in it and if you do that enough you'll end up with a happy life because those moments will be amplified oh. both of those kaif Thank you for sharing. Number seven. Now we're just, we went from really deep to really silly. Um, Number seven. What is your take on socks and sandals? Is that me first? Yeah. Um, If it's dress socks and sandals, uh, no. (laughs) They really cool, funky wool socks and Birkenstocks and you're making a statement about the earth. That (laughs) I just about choked there. Okay. <laughs> and Mitch, socks and sandals. Uh, this, yeah, this is if I lied on this one, you'd catch it right away. So you already know. So the, the toes got to be able to wiggle. Uh, sorry, it's sandals with no socks. Same. All year long. Unless there's, a, unless there's a lot of snow. Yeah, but all year long indoors, absolutely. Copy that. All right. Number eight. In Whistler, we have a lot of restaurants, and a lot of them are delicious. I am going to ask you to choose your favorite one, Mitch. Wow, that's that is a tricky one. Uh, I know. I'm I'm <laughs> going to I'm going to do my best to subvert that particular one actually because I mean my fave is to eat something made at home. Oh. Uh, I know, I know. That's just uh, the way I am. I'm not a real restaurant goer, especially this year. You know. Oh, fair. I've, uh, I've been on a patio once, and I've taken my 87 year old mother out twice. Wow. Fostered her out of the, the home and uh, headed out for a patio. But no, yeah. it's we generally eat at home. That's our way. Fair, Brenda. My friends always give me a hard time about this because they all love the rim rock. But yeah. I don't eat the rim rock because I'm not really into seafood. Yeah. But my favorite restaurant is it's a tie, either the Tandoori Grill or Sushi oh. Village. I I would go to any in a heartbeat. Yes. Especially if someone else is buying. <laughs> True. <laughs> True. Nice. Oh, those are all good answers. I know that's I, I remember moving away from Whistler and nowhere had such uh, nowhere else that I lived had as good of food as we do. It's like, yeah, like the, the sushi here is phenomenal yeah um so that's why sushi village um mm-hmm. and, then, and then the tandoori grill i lived in london for a lot of years and right. there's so many really great indian restaurants there that kind of be- becomes a part of who you are so a great indian takeaway yeah so we order from the tandoori grill a lot but we do take away i almost did that to this afternoon for lunch i'm not gonna lie then i didn't <laughs> okay it's number funny, actually because when i think about it I, I got one for you, Mercedes. Yeah, uh, yeah. This is where I did go to restaurants. Restaurants came into play when, when I was traveling last fall. Yeah. Rita and I were down in Baja on our annual trip. And uh, we decided to go to Mexico City before coming home. And Rita had caught up on all of these different YouTube videos on the uh, food vendors that are on street corners everywhere in Mexico yeah. City. And there, I tell you, the food was just so good. And you could just sit down there with the person who was making your food, preparing the food, that sort of thing. And just amazing the amount of effort and love that's put into the food. That, right. That was neat. That, yeah. Mexican street food. Mm. It might make you sick, but sometimes it won't. <laughs> you just 
you got to pick the right one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair. Okay, number nine, what brought you to Whistler? We'll start with Brenda. Um, I came to visit friends um, on spring break. I was, I was, I'd moved back from Europe and I was living back in Winnipeg teaching there. So I came here for spring break to visit friends that I met when I was living in London. And I kind of went, wow, this is the part of Canada I'd never really explored. This is cool. I want to live here. Mm -hmm. So I moved here thinking, oh, I'll just get a job at an art gallery or something. And then I got the job teaching art at the high school, which was kind of serendipitous. But it was, I came here on holiday to visit friends. Just like so many other people. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was only going to stay a season and then yeah. I was going to Victoria. That's the other common story, right? Totally, totally, totally. And 25 years later, I'm still here. Yeah. Okay, Mitch, you came up from the lower mainland long ago. I did. I did. And uh, I actually came up before the ski season with the idea that I was going to take uh, kind of a gap year kind of idea and live here in Whistler and uh, do the skiing thing. And uh, at the end of the ski season, we had a pretty quick transition into a wonderful spring and with the lakes and the valley and all of that sort of stuff. It was uh, not long before I decided, yeah, it's got the year round package. So I, I also came for a season and then I'm still here. I haven't left yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you leave every now and then. It's true. Yeah. I mean, I you go I on phenomenal trips. I don't even know where you are half the time. It's great. Well, that's <laughs> true of both of us as far as that goes. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Okay, final rapid fire, even though it's never actually rapid fire. This is a telling moment for everyone. I'm going to start with Mitch. Mm. Whistler or Blackcomb? Uh, well, it's Whistler. Yes. Big Sorry. old softy. <laughs> Brenda? <laughs> um, Blackcomb for snowboarding. Yeah. Whistler for skiing. Yeah, that's not wrong. That's totally not wrong. Good answers. That's, one, that's the one constant question that I had asked all the Whistler kids in their rapid fire. And it was split. It was pretty cool. <laughs> okay, so I thank you guys so much for coming on. What the last nine episodes were about was kind of trying to figure out what makes Whistler Kids successful. And as you guys pretty much were there for all of our growing up, I thought it would be awesome to have you guys on to kind of help get to the bottom of it. And I'll just kind of run through each episode and the person we had on and what they came to their conclusion. So episode 11, we had Natalie Morell, who's a DJ, and she was talking about how it was freedom. Then we had Peter Harvey, and he said it was the competitive nature. Then we had Jenna Romanen, who said just happy, passionate people around. Allie Milner said uh, that Whistler kids like challenges. And Stan Ray said he grew up with his idols right next to him. Joey Gibbons is showed how much hard work can be put into place to be successful. And then Marielle Thompson, gold medal Olympian, um, said that it was the community and the support and opportunity. And then we had Garnet Clare said, finding drive from other Whistler kids. So a lot of different answers in there. Um, I'll start with maybe uh, Mitch. Do you have any feedback as to like what would make Whistler kids successful? Absolutely. I mean, uh, 
I, I think one thing that I think back on is when Worcester Secondary was being planned, the actual planning began almost two years before the school opened up and uh, the community just kind of assumed that they were going to have a secondary school that was also a community school. And uh, the only people they hadn't consulted on that were, was the ministry that felt that there should be only one school in a community that was a community school. So uh, I think it might have even been uh, Sandy Tyler who went into the competition for the name of the school and said, was there secondary? A community school. Just gave it that name, whether it had the designation or not. Mm -hmm. Actually, something that really set this uh, our, our young people apart is just the supportive nature of the community. Whether people had children or not didn't matter. People were really creative in creating opportunities. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Brenda, thoughts, feelings? <laughs> I think it's a number of factors and all of the things that everybody has mentioned are definitely part of them. I mean, the, the fact that you have an Olympic athlete training next to you at the local gymnasium, mm -hmm. I mean, that's got to mean something to who's an aspiring athlete. Um, professional artists would come into the school and, you know, just do, uh, how they would, they'd come in for lessons and that's got to be inspiring. So having those people next to you, mm -hmm. having a huge community support, like the, the, there's a lot of community support for everybody, not just our school, Yeah. but obviously the lens that I look through is, is through education and through the school and how we've always tried to support everybody's dreams, whether they be athletic, artistic, whatever they are, you know, yeah. if students needed to be away, we bend over backwards trying to accommodate that so that kids could follow their passion. And, you know, and, and we had strong relationships with our students because it's such a small school. Mm -hmm. uh, like those early years, I knew every student's name. I still know every, almost every student who graduated from those early years. It's a little bit different now because the high school is so much bigger, but you know, we're over 500 students every year now. That's really? almost double what it was when you were going there yeah wow so it's still a small high school but still almost everybody recognizes the faces of the yeah. people in the building right and that forms community of its own yeah i think that's what was so important and also that we were allowed to leave school all the time <laughs> i don't know how i graduated i do remember mitch i graduated with art to be honest and i remember mitch this is like the one thing i do remember from high school is um you coming up to me in i think english class and saying mercedes you need to pay attention in class because you're not going to do well on the exam and i was like well that's a legit <laughs> that's legit he's not wrong <laughs> i did graduate to our listeners i did i swear <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can attest to that. <laughs> Maybe twice. <laughs> All right, let's do a little deep dive. Where do you think the work ethic of Whistler kids comes from? Because I was, I was just talking about this with Joey and Marielle, and you think of Garnet, and when I think of everyone's just so different, but their drive is is serious, and I feel like that has something to do with being a Whistler kid. Any thoughts? Well, part of that might be the kind of community Whistler is in that almost everybody's a transplant. They've chosen to be here. Mm -hmm. So in order to have the lack of a better word, gumption to get up and move from where you are 
and mm -hmm. move to someplace else and start all over again, you need a certain amount of drive. So all those people, their parents had drive. Right. So that's, that's part of it, right? Like it's a, it's a selective pool in that everybody here came from somewhere else. Yeah. And if you're, if you don't have drive, if you're like, whatever, I don't need to worry about it. You just stay where you are. You're good with status quo. Right. And the people that move here aren't good with status quo. That's true. Very true. Mitch? I, I mean, we, we know that uh, in this time and age, the, the most uh, influential group for young people in society are their peers. And uh, all of these people coming from different backgrounds, uh, as Brenda has said, had to figure out some way to, I, I would say, to thrive here in Whistler to support their particular lifestyle. And uh, if you have an, if you have enough of these young people that come from families that have a lot of drive, I, I don't mm -hmm. see why it would be any different. They're going to have that. What what I do appreciate here is that uh, people don't grab the first thing. Young people don't grab the first thing that comes along. They take time to mature, get a sense of what it is they really want to do. And I know in my own experience, um, there's a lot of drive. There's a lot of energy to do things if you are really doing what you want to do. You're not trying to satisfy some other external sort of uh, set of standards. You, you just feel this is the thing you want to do. And we've seen that with a lot of students, a lot of the ones that you've uh, interviewed. Mm -hmm. They might spend nine to ten years before they get to, to what it is they really want to do. But all of that was very important to get to the level that they got to. That's so true. And, and I had, I have a question um, that I wanted to ask you guys that that segues into perfectly is when you guys were teaching and you taught most of these kids, if not all of them, did you know what they were going to become or if they were going to be successful? <laughs> Who are you going to pick on first, Mercedes? <laughs> oh, but let's go with you. <laughs> <laughs> I I think so actually. I mean, uh, I I didn't uh, I didn't end up doing what my family wanted me to do. I mean, as a, you know, second generation immigrant, I was supposed to be a doctor or a dentist or something like that, and I, I avoided that very well. Um, I think that uh, generally, what I saw is that people were looking for that thing that they would be passionate about, and mm -hmm. they they didn't close a lot of doors, so. I think most of our students have been quite successful in, in what they've done. I know, but did you know what they were going to do? Did you like oh, have an idea? A, not at all. I mean, uh, our, our training as teachers uh, from the time we began teaching was that, uh, you know, probably most of the students we were teaching would be doing things that didn't even really exist as jobs at that time. Right. And so uh, it wasn't it wasn't really trying to identify, you know, what would this person do? Sometimes we did kind of try to push them in a particular direction, something like that. Yeah. But it was just making sure that they had the skills to uh, set the goals and find ways to achieve those goals or whatever it is that they did do. Right. I okay. didn't know you were going to be doing podcasts because I don't think we had podcasts. When we had. <laughs> well, that's a for sure no. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe you might have known I was going to be a snowboarder since I was never at school. <laughs> <laughs> I could totally understand that. <laughs> and Brenda, what are your thoughts? Did you know what everyone was going to be? <laughs> I say no. Like, um, 
some it's more obvious, like you <laughs> being professional snowboarder, Marielle, uh, killing it at ski cross. Yeah, that was something that you were, they were, both of you were passionate about in school. Um, Allie still singing, of course, that's something that's obvious. But what's, what's obvious with all the people that you have interviewed is that they had the interpersonal skills to be successful at whatever they chose to do. Right. Where did so, that come from? Where did that come from? Yeah. I don't know. There's a huge percentage of the population in this town that have those skills. And, and um, I've always said that about the, the students at Worcester Secondary. Most of them are amazing. Some yeah. of them have other challenges, but I've really enjoyed being a teacher there. Because mm -hmm. the students there are so amazing. Yeah. And, um, Don't tell anyone. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think the word's out. I know. <laughs> Everyone's going to move here. No, it's funny. I did an interview um, with CBC at the 2014 Olympics. And one of the... Um, one of the hosts was like, I've been to your town, Whistler. You're all a bunch of genetic freaks. And I was like, what are you talking about? Because I just grew up in the bubble of athlete world and that's all that we knew. But talking to all these kids, everyone's traveled, everyone's left the bubble. And now they were older. We see that, yeah, it is a very special town. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, okay. You may or may not have known what some of the kids were going to be. Was there any one particular student that just shocked you? Like for me, Garnet becoming a rapper shocked me. I did not see that coming. He was like a completely different person on stage. Is there any one like student that stands out in your guys' brains? Well, there's been a few, let's say, spicier kids mm. who – manage to get it together later and it's not that it's shocking it's just it sort of restores your faith in humanity that everyone will grow up and mature at some point right so i'm not going to name any names but there yeah. have been a few times where i'm like yes they finally got it together i'm so proud of them yes i love that i think that's so important too mitch anything anyone just well, yes I, i'd have to echo the same thing i mean uh i i would just agree i mean Every once in a while, you have the opportunity to bump into somebody that you haven't seen literally for decades. Yeah. And uh, because I taught at Pemberton Secondary beforehand, and right. uh, you know, I, th I think we we always hope as community members, as teachers, mm -hmm. that that everyone is going to find that thing that that works for them. That's yeah. that's really what we're in it for, right? Well, I yeah. would say you guys inspired us a lot as well. Thank you. you know, that, that was a street that definitely went both ways. I have to say that, you know, every day going to the school and, and having that, uh, that crew certainly was energizing. There's no two ways about it. Yeah. What, what, something else that's kind of cool that's been happening to me recently is former students, children are now coming. Oh, crap. Maybe a sign that I need to retire. No, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I like coming into the school and knowing you're there. Is, is your parent so-and-so or so-and-so? I talked to them years ago. Say hi from Ms. Missouri. <laughs> so that's so funny. One of my questions is, because we're in a small community, what is it like seeing just the kids that you taught, like me, like I see you guys at events and I see you around town and it's awesome. I still don't know whether I should call you Miss Nori or Brenda or Mitch or <laughs> Mr. Sulkers. 
Please call me Brenda. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Absolutely. What What's yeah. that like for you guys? I, well, I, I think that's the way a community actually should be. And I mean, in this day and age, yeah, Mr. Sulkers was my father. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it, that's part of what really makes this, this community tech. Uh, the, the terminology that my wife and I use in this one is that there's a, a certain social capital from having been here this long and working with so many people. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's a, at some point in time, for sure, I'm going to start going, eh, who is that? <laughs> Those sorts of things. Yeah. You know it's going to happen. Uh, but you know, the, the community's got so much energy and people are, they have those skills. So um, I think, wow. We keep coming back. We're, like, it's funny, <laughs> Whistler kids do. They, we keep coming back into town. Like, yeah. we'll leave for a certain amount of time and then we'll come back because this is such a great place to be. And it's f- funny that you have students, children coming into class now. That's wild. 25 years at Whistler Secondary School crazy we were actually talking about having our um 20 year reunion uh taking it back to mexico (laughs) 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 sounds fun and dangerous at the same time exactly thank you guys so much so what i do at the end is i kind of round out what we touched on and we touched on a lot in a short amount of time what makes whistler kids so successful Again, it does come down to the opportunities, the community, um, the nature of the community, having professionals in the community. And that's something that you probably don't always see in a small, like rural town is we do have a plethora of professionals. And that puts the expectations and the, the way that kids will look at trying something new at a whole new level which is very, very true. And I think that's why we do have so many Olympians in town as well as amazing artists and so on and so forth. Um, Looking at their peers, having parents that chose to come here have that drive and passion, and then that just gets instilled into the next generation. And hopefully we'll get instilled in the next next generation that Brenda is now seeing. She will have to tell us (laughs) if that's true or not. Well, I only have two more years to find out. Are you retiring in two more years? <laughs> yeah. Oh, damn. I better come and get painting. <laughs> yeah, I have a senior art block next semester. Come in. You can, uh, you can do some work with them. I will. I, w- I would love to. So fun. Um, anything that you guys would like to add to what makes Whistler Kids so successful? Any tidbits? Uh, I, I'd like to say that it, it's about that relationship because this town is small, because the school is small, um, you really develop a relationship mm-hmm. with the students to, with each other, because you're still friends with a lot of the kids you graduated with. 100%. And you, you develop relationships with your teachers. Yeah. Like my friends tease me, we'll be walking through the village and they say, it's like, you're like a celebrity. Everybody says, I'm a star and they smile and they wave. Like, And I love that. I love seeing everybody and connecting with everybody because you know you form these relationships with these people and then they Mm -hmm. graduate you barely see them and uh and it so i think first and foremost it's the relationship that you get in a small community yeah perfect perfect anything to add match well i i'd agree with that and i think one of the things that that is a a pretty uh obvious element to all of that is just the amount of caring that is there 
right through the various generations that are in this small town. Uh, people who live here, who have lived here for some time, mm -hmm. uh, have a, a genuine attachment to the whole the whole mix. Uh, I know people that are well into their 90s. Um, the, the fellow who now owns the cabin where I decided I was going to move to Wasserat, his uh, parents just passed away. His father was 100 years old. Oh my gosh! I mean, it's, there's there's an amazing uh, multi-tiered community that 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 really cares, and I think that is one of those things that you know most small towns you'll you'll find that for sure. Uh, yeah. But here it just seems to be quite exceptional. It is exceptional. I love our town. I'm so grateful for you guys. Thank you for taking the time to drop in with me. That that's it. That's all. I feel like we got to the bottom of it. Whistler's just awesome. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank you so much, Mercedes. Appreciate it. That wraps up our Whistler Kids series. Thank you so much for dropping in with us. Stay tuned on Instagram at Dropping In With Mercedes for more updates on what's coming up next. for the music and my mom for the intro voice. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, undercurrent podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many roads that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com.